Welcome to the Lightly Salted Podcast. These are the readings and sermons of St. John's Lutheran Church of Park Rapids, Minnesota. They are offered so that the Word of God would shape and strengthen you to be what He calls you to be, salt and light. You can find us at stjohnspr.org. Now, on to the Word. Our Old Testament reading for this, the sixth Sunday after the Epiphany, is a portion of the covenant God made with His Old Testament people whom He had brought out of Israel with a mighty hand and outstretched arm. A covenant that was both for blessing and for curses. Blessing if they obeyed, curses if they were disobeying. See, I have set before you today life and good, death and evil. If you obey the commandments of the Lord your God that I command you today, by loving the Lord your God, by walking in His ways, and keeping His commandments and His statutes and His rules, then you shall live and multiply. And the Lord your God will bless you in the land that you are entering to take possession of it. But if your heart turns away, and you will not hear, but are drawn away to worship other gods and serve them, I declare to you today that you shall surely perish. You shall not live long in the land that you are going over the Jordan to enter and possess. I call heaven and earth to witness against you today that I have set before you life and death, blessing and curse. Therefore, choose life that you and your offspring may live, loving the Lord your God, obeying His voice and holding fast to Him. For He is your life and length of days, that you may dwell in the land that the Lord swore to your fathers, to Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob, to give them. This is the Word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Our epistle lesson is again a continuation of our reading through the early chapters of 1 Corinthians. Uh, Paul in this section now is transitioning into some of the teaching and remonishing of the Corinthians uh, for their behavior, for their immaturity in the faith, encouraging them on to something better. But I, brothers, could not address you as spiritual people, but as people of the flesh, as infants in Christ. I fed you with milk, not solid food, for you are not ready for it. And even now you are not ready, for you still, you are still of the flesh. For while there is jealousy and strife among you, are you not of the flesh and behaving only in a human way? For when one says, I follow Paul, and another, I follow Apollos, are you not being merely human? What then is Apollos? What is Paul? Servants through whom you believed, as the Lord assigned to each. I planted, Apollos watered, but God gave the growth. So neither he who plants nor he who waters is anything, but only God who gives the growth. He who plants and he who waters are one, and each will receive his wages according to his labor. For we are God's fellow workers. You are God's field, God's building. This too is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. 
I invite the congregation to please stand as we join in the Alleluia and verse on the bottom of page 156. And again, we continue in our gospel reading. The gospel is recorded for us in Matthew chapter 5, 20, starting at the 21st chapter. Glory to you, O Lord. We're continuing in the Sermon on the Mount. And uh, as sort of the lead-in verse, because it definitely is an important verse, I'm going to take one verse ahead of what's printed on your insert. We're going to start with the last words we heard out of Jesus' mouth last week. For I tell you, unless your righteousness exceeds that of the scribes and Pharisees, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. You have heard that it was said to those of old, you shall not murder, and whoever murders will be liable to judgment. But I say to you that everyone who is angry with his brother will be liable to judgment. Whoever insults his brother will be liable to the council. And whoever says, you fool, will be liable to the hell of fire. So, if you're offering your gift at the altar, and there remember that your brother has something against you, leave your gift there before the altar and go. First be reconciled to your brother and then come and offer your gift. Come to terms quickly with your accuser while you are going with him to court, lest your accuser hand you over to the judge and the judge to the guard and you be put in prison. Truly I say to you, you will never get out until you have paid the last penny. You have heard that it was said, you shall not commit adultery. But I say to you that everyone who looks at a woman with lustful intent has already committed adultery with her in his heart. If your right eye causes you to sin, tear it out and throw it away. For it is better that you lose one of your members than that your whole body be thrown into hell. If your right hand causes you to sin, cut it off and throw it away. For it is better that you lose one of your members than that your whole body goes into hell. It was also said, whoever divorces his wife, let him give her a certificate of divorce. But I say to you that everyone who divorces his wife, except on grounds of sexual immorality, makes her commit adultery. Whoever marries a divorced woman commits adultery. Again, you have heard that it was said to those of old, you shall not swear falsely, but shall perform to the Lord what you have sworn. But I say to you, do not take an oath at all, either by heaven, for it is the throne of God, or by earth, for it is his footstool, or by Jerusalem, for it is the city of the great king. And do not take an oath by your head, for you cannot make one hair white or black. Let what you say be simply yes or no. Anything more than this comes from evil. This is the gospel of our Lord. Grace to you and peace from God our Father and from our Lord and our Savior Jesus Christ. Amen. She loves me. 
She loves me not. She loves me. She loves me not. It's a simple game, right? In which this last petal left on the daisy is supposed to reveal to you whether the object of your affection loves you back or not. This little game of chance, excuse me, this little game of love and romance is actually, not surprisingly, French in origin. You know, and actually the French, they use more phrases than what we do. Apparently it really goes something like this. She loves me a little. She loves me a lot. She loves me passionately. She loves me madly. She loves me not at all. Now, the French, you know, by adding the phrases, you increase the number of possible outcomes. But if you notice, the French love their romance so much, they stack the deck. There are four positive outcomes and only one negative outcome, which, if I do my math right, increases your odds to 80% of that affection being returned to you. And it's a game played all over the world. The Poles, uh, they play it with a little bit of poignant humor. She loves me. She doesn't want me. She likes me. She doesn't care. She respects me. She makes fun of me. Again, at least it's 50-50, right? But then you've got the Russians. The Russians, they love to go to their extreme. She loves me. She loves me not. She kisses me. She spits on me. She presses me to her heart. She sends me to the devil. Gotta love it. A children's game. Fun to remember as the day of romance is close at hand. By the way, guys, Tuesday. Don't forget. One of my fears, though, is that we can often think of our relationship to God sort of in these terms as well. I have a good job. He loves me. My boss is a horror and makes life miserable. He doesn't love me. I have a good house. God loves me. I'm having trouble with my mortgage. He loves me not. I have good health. He loves me. I just was diagnosed with cancer. He loves me not. I have a good marriage. He loves me. My spouse has filed for divorce. He loves me not. We have so many cherished memories. He loves me. My spouse has Alzheimer and can't even remember me. He loves me not. I don't know that we actually think this way out loud. But I do believe that our relationship to God sometimes is put sort of at the end of a game of chance. 
Now, there's another thing that strikes me about this little game of chance. It assumes that the one that we are playing it about is that we are worthy of their affection. The one that we're pining over, we're assuming they would do the same to us. But, you know, sort of what if the situation were reversed? What if God is the one playing this game? Do we assume that He would be pining away over us? Wondering about our love for Him? Are we worthy of such attention? Even a cursory glance at the words of our Gospel reading today, the words of Jesus on the Sermon on the Mount reveals the truth. I give Him no reason to love me. My righteousness does not exceed that of the scribes of Pharisees. My anger has gotten the best of me. I have harbored hatred. I have nursed grudges against many different people. There are times when all I want is to get even and to take revenge. I've said harmful words. I've torn others down instead of building them up. I've often withheld my love, my care, my support, especially for people I'm not particularly fond of. I've not gone to people I know I've hurt or offended to ask for forgiveness. My eyes have seen things they were never meant to see. My lust has been out of control. I have promised to do things and not followed through. I've pretended, even sworn, that I'm in control of a situation when I'm not. And I've sworn an oath even to cover a lie. I am a poor, miserable sinner. God has no reason to love me. I sin in my thoughts. No reason to love me. I sin with my words. No reason to love me. I sin in the things that I do. I sin in things I don't do. No reason to love me. I haven't loved God with my all in all. And you can sure bet I have loved myself a lot more than my neighbor. No reason to love me. And you know, even those things that I have done that might be called good in the eyes of sun, now I know they're tainted by sin in general, but... Yeah, I've probably not been doing them for God's glory. Pretty sure most of the time I'm looking out for my reputation. Most of the time I want people to think well of me. I'm sure, a lot of times when I take credit as if I'm important, there is no reason for God to love me. And that's why the good news is so wonderful. That's why the good news is so amazing. Because it's never been about me or my worth. It's never been about something, about something in me that should cause God to love me. Uh-uh. It's always about God's nature. The steadfast love of the Lord endures forever. He loves me. God is love. He loves me. This is how God showed His love among us. 
He sent his one and only son into the world that we might live through him. God loves me. This is love. Not that we loved God, but that he loved us and gave his son as the atoning sacrifice for our sins. He loves me. God loved the world in this way. He sent his one and only son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. God loves me. The Gospel of John introduces Jesus' suffering and death with these incredible words. Jesus, having loved his own who are in the world, now showed them the full extent of his love. Yes, he loves me. God has shown his love for us. In that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. He loves me. God, being rich in mercy, because of the great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, he made us alive together with Jesus Christ. He loves me. See what kind of love the Father has given to us, that we should be called children of God. And so we are. He loves me. Again and again, we hear these blessed words of Scripture. That it is God who is love. It is God who loves us. And it is God who has eternally loved us in Jesus Christ. Because God has demonstrated His love for us for all of eternity. Through the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus, we can cling to the promises that He's made. The promises He's made even when trouble comes our way. Even when the clouds would hide the face of God from us, we cling to the promises because of Jesus' death and resurrection. And so we believe Jesus when he says, Behold, I am with you to the end of the age. He loves me. We listen to the promise of Isaiah. Fear not, for I have redeemed you. I have called you by name. You are mine. When you pass through the waters, I will be with you. When you pass through the rivers, they will not sweep over you. When you walk through the fire, you will not be burned. The flames will not set you ablaze. I am the Lord your God, the Holy One of Israel, your Savior, since you are precious and honored in my sight, and because I love you, I will give men in exchange for you and people in exchange for your life. He loves me. He has loved me and Jesus my Savior so totally and so firmly that I can say with the Apostle Paul that even in the midst of all of our troubles, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am convinced that neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future, nor any powers, neither height nor depth, nor anything else in all of creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord Absolutely, he loves me. And it's not a game of chance. In Jesus Christ, the Son of God, who came into this world in the flesh, who went to the cross, who suffered and died in my place, and rose, he did that all, that I might have the absolute certainty of the truth. God loves even me. Amen. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be and abide with you all.
Amen. Thanks for listening to Lightly Salted. We'd love to hear from you. You can contact us at stjohnspr.org or look for us on Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube. Our thanks to Eric Medeish at soundimage.org for Morning Jew. God's blessings.